But hey, let's jump into this series here. Anyone excited to continue our Asking for a Friend series? Come on, has this been a good series? I've, I, amen. I've, been, I've enjoyed it. I feel like this series has been challenging. It's been encouraging. It's been faith building. And, and my heart behind this entire series uh, was to ask and, and address some of those tough questions that we face as Christians, right? You know, um, but not only to ask the tough questions, but after each message to come out the other side uh, more confident of God's goodness, more confident that his word is true. And ultimately, after each message, my my heart has been that we would walk out of here with with our faith increased. For those who are new or or maybe missed a week, um, I, I wanted to quickly remind you of some of the questions that we've answered. And if you missed any of these messages, we now have our podcast, Destiny Church Audio. You can find it on on the Apple Podcast app, or if you have an Android, you can download Podbeam, uh, and you can listen to it on that app and just search Destiny Church Audio. But here's the questions we've answered so far this month. One, why do we believe the Bible? Why can we trust the Bible? Week two was the big one. It was, why does God allow suffering? And then last week, Pastor Ryan did an incredible job, didn't he? He he talked about how long must I wait? Here's the deal. Pastor Ryan, he's actually in Florida this week, but man, he really did an awesome job. And I I know that he was a little nervous to present, but you know, I believe that Pastor Ryan has a gift and and here's the deal. I want to be a church that encourages one another. Amen. So if you see Ryan next time he's here, just be sure to encourage him, tell him what an incredible job he did. Um, So But for week four, unfortunately, it's the last week. I'm excited for the series we have coming up next month, but I'm also sad to see uh, this series go. But for week four, man, I I was wrestling, what question do I want to address? What what do I want to talk about this week? And, you know, after a lot of time and thought and and kind of wrestling with what I felt like the Lord was pressing on my heart, I I came with this. This is, if you're taking notes, here's the title and the question that we're going to answer this morning. It's this, what's with all the rules? What's with all the rules? Y'all ready? Here we go, let's pray. Jesus, Father, we just thank you for what you're doing in this house. And God, I I pray right now that you'd begin to open up our hearts to receive your word. God, I think about Lydia in the book of Acts, how it says her heart was open to receive your word. And I pray even right now, your Holy Spirit would stir in our hearts God, I, I pray that you would, you would till the soil of our hearts, make it fertile ground, so as the seed goes forth, God, it, it would land in that soil, it would grow, and there would be fruit in our lives. We don't just want to be hearers of your word. God, we want to be doers, so would you do that? In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, did anybody just love breaking rules as a kid? Come on. Is Eric Wucky in here? I feel like he should be raising his hand. He just, he just, I don't know where he's at, but I just sense, you know, Eric Wucky was one of those guys. Come on. You're all right now, though, you know. But, uh, you know, when I was a kid, it's not that I didn't break rules. I was just really bad at breaking rules. Okay? And the reason I say that, I was a terrible rule breaker, and the reason I say that is because, Anytime I did break a rule, there would be one of three things that happened. One, I'd get caught every single time, like clockwork. Two, um, I'd just end up crying and confess myself that I did something wrong, had a heavy conscience. Or three, I'd do both, okay? 
I would uh, get caught and end up crying and confessing. So if it's all right with you, I want to share one of these moments where I did a little rule breaking uh, in my childhood. If that's all right, I'm going to be vulnerable and transparent as your pastor this morning. I was a freshman in high school, okay? It was, uh, (laughs) this is bad, it was during basketball season. And you know, my parents, after school, I had practice, and there was a couple hours between after school and practice, and my parents didn't want me to go home, so then they'd have to drive me back to the school every day, so we came up with the plan, Mark, why don't you just hang out after school for a couple of hours? You can just do homework while you're waiting for basketball practice. I'm like, oh, that sounds great, but here's the, here's the problem. I did about anything but my homework, amen? I was uh, fun at doing things, w- w- anything other than doing my homework keeping myself busy, probably in all the wrong ways. And I started hanging out with a couple of players on my team, and we developed kind of this strange habit where we would walk to the shopping plazas that were in walking distance from the school, and we got in the habit of shoplifting. I know, I know. I told y'all I'm being transparent, I'm being vulnerable, but you know, it got to the point where we were literally shoplifting almost like every day, okay? There was, I remember there was a store, it was called Olympia Sports. I hope they're not listening to the podcast. They'll come and find me. Um, but man, you know, it's basketball season, so we're grabbing headbands, we're grabbing compression shorts, compression shirts, you know, cool socks, different color shoelaces. You know, it's like, uh, this is so bad, I'm laughing about it. It's not good, and if you're stealing, you need to stop, um, you know, but we had all the b-ball gear, and I was definitely overdoing it with the accessories, okay? You know, wearing two headbands, the different colors, shooting sleeve, all swagged out, as the kids would say. But one day, we decided to switch up our location. I had enough basketball gear by this time, and we figured to go to a store that I'll leave unnamed, but it rhymes with Marshalls, and so we uh, walked, that was a joke, guys, come on. So we walk and we go into Marshalls and this specific day, you know, I'm with my group of friends and normally we all steal, okay? We're all thieves. But this specific day, I am the only one who decides to steal a shirt. I didn't even really like it that much. I I felt like, you know, I made the walk. I I walked all the way here. I might as well, you know? I know it's terrible logic. So y'all are just judging me so hard right now. I can just see it in all your faces. Come on, I was young, I've repented since then. BC days, before Christ, you know. So I take the shirt, you know, I shove it in my pants and come to find out none of my friends have stolen anything. So we, we get through walking around the store, we're ready to leave, ready to head back to the school. We walk out of Marshall's. The, the problem is, as we were walking out of Marshall's, the shirt dropped out of my pant leg and someone from the store had follow us. Busted. Busted. I'll never forget it. She goes, sir, you, you might want to come with me. Now I know the law says I didn't have to go back in, but I didn't know that. So I'm like, oh, all right. My friends just walk off back to school, you know, walk off to the promised land. And um, I get brought into this room with a million security cameras thinking, this is why I got caught. <laughs> they can see every inch of this place, you know. And I'm sitting there, they, they call my mom, and man, I'm just so discouraged. I'm late for basketball practice at this point, and I'll never forget it. My mom walks into the room. You, you know, you guys know my mom. She walks in, Mikey, 
what are you doing? What are you doing? You know, she's crying, you know, way over the top. But I cried too, I'll admit it. Uh, But church, what is it about breaking the rules? It's, It's crazy because, you know, I knew you weren't supposed to steal. I knew I was wrong. I knew I was breaking the rules. And in all reality, I just could have asked my mom or asked my dad for the shirt that was $8 or whatever, and they probably would have bought it. But what is it about our nature that loves to rebel against the rules? Like, we know we shouldn't get drunk, but occasionally we do. Like, we, we, we know we probably shouldn't listen to the music that has the explicit content, but occasionally we do. We know we shouldn't lust, but occasionally we do. We, we know we shouldn't envy one another, but occasionally we do. It, it's like there's something in our nature, there's something within us that desires to rebel against what we know is right. Now, God, through the truth of his scripture, he's, he has revealed to us why this is such a challenge, why this war exists, that this, this war between two natures exists within our soul. Galatians 5, verses 16 through 18, it says this. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. So we see in the scriptures, okay, So we have a sinful nature, this thing that we wrestle with. Let's go on. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. So we see, okay, there's this other nature that that our soul is wrestling with between the two. And it says, and the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. So there's these two forces we're constantly battling with. Every single day, we make a bunch of little decisions that are either in the flesh or they're in the spirit. The verse goes on to say, these two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. You know, church, if I was to be honest, I think a lot of times we think about it like this. We, we feel like the flesh is exciting and the spirit's boring, right? Doesn't it sometimes it just kind of feel like that? Like, like if we allow the Holy Spirit to guide our lives, then uh, we're going to miss out. If, if we allow the Holy Spirit to guide our lives, we're, we're going to miss out on all the fun stuff. Right? If we choose to live a life led by the Holy Spirit, we're going to lose friends. We're going to lose status. We'll lose our popularity. We, we won't get invited as much, right? Like, I, like I can't go to the party and, and not drink, right? I, I might make people feel uncomfortable. I, I can't hang out with my guys and, and not swear and, and take part in, in, in the jokes, right? They'll, they'll think I'm soft. That could, that could just be weird. I can't hang out with the girls and not gossip. It, what, what do I do if, if they start to gossip and I don't respond? That would just be awkward, right? So in, in, instead, you know, so instead in our efforts to have the best life possible, we, we blatantly break the rules. We break the rules and we do things we know we shouldn't, 
ultimately what we do is we engage the acts of the flesh. We, we choose the acts of the flesh, expecting the fruits of the Spirit to be evident in our lives. We expect the fruits of the Spirit. And, and what are some of those? Love, joy, peace, goodness. You know, John 10.10, 10, it says the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. The Bible also says the enemy masquerades as an angel of light. The Bible also says the heart is deceitful. Could it be that God has given us these commands? He's asked us and called us to live a life in the Spirit. Uh, he's, so in essence, he's made these rules, given us these commands to keep us in his plans and his purposes and to protect us from darkness. Right? Doesn't, doesn't the Bible say that his word is a light to my path? It, it lights up the way? I, I'm reminded of, of a dude named Samson in the Old Testament. Anyone familiar with the story of Samson? Not a whole lot of us. Come on, y'all need to read your Bibles, amen? So in Judges 13, um, basically we find the Israelite people, these are God's chosen people. He's, he's chose them to be set apart. It is through the Israelite people who the Messiah is going to come and be the savior of all mankind. This is God's sanctified people, the Israelite people. But in their rebellion, um, because of their rebellion, God has, has basically allowed the Philistines to oppress the Israelite people due to their disobedience and rebellion. And the Israelites, finally getting fed up with their oppression, uh, they start to call out to God. They realize their need for a Savior. They begin calling out, God, would you help us? God, rescue us from this time of oppression. So while the Israelite people are calling out, this angel visits an Israelite couple in a field and basically gives them the news, hey, you're going to have a son. Name him Samson, and, and he's going to be used to deliver the Israelites from the oppression of the Philistines. So Samson, as this, you know, almost has this superhero-like strength. Okay, he, he's going to be the vessel in which the Israelite people are freed. And, and God intends on using Samson to deliver the Israelite people from the oppression of the Philistines. But here's the deal. Samson is given some rules to live by. He's given some commands. Samson's called to live under the Nazarite vow. So what, what is the Nazarite vow? Why, why is Samson called to live under this Nazarite vow? Now, it, there's really three basic rules. He can't drink alcohol. He can't touch dead things, and it's coming to me here. Can't cut his hair, the important one. So these three rules, and you think, you know, no alcohol, okay. Can't touch dead things, that's super strange, like, that's weird. And then never cut your hair. Think about it, if you never cut your hair, what's he going to do with all of it? You know, you, you think about these three commandments from God, and you're like, man, what, like, what's the big deal? Like, what's the, what's the purpose of those? And then, you know, Judges 13, uh, the chapter ends with this. Verses 24 through 25, it says, when her son, talking about Samson's mom, it says, when her son was born, she named him Samson. And then this is key. It says, and the Lord blessed him as he grew up. And check this out. In the spirit of the Lord began to stir him. 
So what we see is Samson ha- has that same battle that we have. Samson has to experience that, that same war with that one soul between the flesh and the spirit. That, that war between good and evil. And, and for those who aren't familiar with the story, spoiler alert, uh, God has hidden Samson's strength in his hair. So Samson's strength, which is going to be used to deliver the Israelites from the oppression of the Philistines, the, the supernatural strength, the supernatural gift that Samson has is protected in the commands that God has given him, in the rules that God has given him. Notice that, that the rules God made for Samson to follow actually protect the very purpose and calling Samson has on his life. It seems mundane. It seems mediocre. It seems redundant, right? But I, I think a lot of times we look at these rules or we listen to the, the, you know, some of the commands or we think about all the things Christianity consists of and how we have to you know, live our life this certain way. And we go, man, that just seems a little ridiculous. That seems like I don't really know if I want to do that, you know? But, but what if it that God's plans and purposes are hidden within the, our obedience, right? My point, church, is, is even when obedience seems ridiculous and redundant, understand the commands we've been given by God are always for our good, and they're a part of the plan and the purpose God has for our life. I want, I want to talk a little bit about the book of Galatians. I, I already read a verse from there, but um, as, as many of you know, uh, before Jesus died, the people were um, to follow, or the people were to follow to, to remain right with God, uh, the law of the Old Testament. Okay, it's, it's the, these commands that Moses received on the mountain from God, and, and there's hundreds of them, and you know, all these people to, to remain in right standing with God, they have to follow the, the entire extent of the law, which we know is, is impossible to do. Really, all it does is, is point to our need uh, for a savior because it's, it's something that we couldn't accomplish on our own. Basically, what, what the law says is you have to behave to belong to the kingdom of God. You have to behave to belong, but then God, he sends Jesus to live the perfect life to act as the sacrificial lamb for us. And now through a confession of our mouth and belief in our heart that Jesus is Lord, we receive and are justified in the, in the sight of God, right? We're justified in the eyes of God. Jesus came, he abolished the law and said, now instead of having to behave to belong, now he rewrote the script and now it says you just have to believe to belong. By grace, through faith in Jesus, we've been made right with God. It's through Christ and, and Christ alone. It's, it's the gospel. It's good news. Paul has, so, so with that being said, knowing that the only way to heaven is through Jesus, it's, it's no longer about the works. It's no longer about what we do ourselves, but rather it's belief in the one who already did it all. Paul understands, he catches wind that in the church in Galatia, there's some Jewish teachers in the church, and they're teaching that to receive salvation, to be saved, there's certain things that you have to do. One of these major things 
um, you know, one of the main laws the Jewish teachers were imposing at the church in Galatia to the new believers was the act of circumcision. Hey now. One of the most famous sayings by one of the Jewish teachers of the time was, if it ain't cut away, you ain't saved. That's not true. That's not true. We can have fun in church, right? But in all seriousness, the Jewish leaders are implying that to be saved, you need to follow the rules. To be saved, to reach salvation, to, to, to be loved by God, you need to follow the rules. So when Paul finds this out, he's like, you know what? He's like, I, I think I need to address this. And he writes a letter to the church of Galatia, which we know as the book of Galatians. So uh, Galatians 5 verses 1 through 6, Paul writes this. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure you stay free and don't get tied up in slavery to the law. Listen, listen, Jesus has made a way. Jesus is, is the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through him. Don't get caught up in thinking that you have to perform, you have to behave to get accepted by God. That, that's not what the gospel is. That's not what it says. That's not what Jesus died for. Then he goes on to say, listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be of no benefit to you. Listen, you can't perform to get the love of God. You, you can't perform to get into heaven. He's talking about circumcision, but we, I feel like a lot of times the outside world, the series is called Asking for a Friend. People go, man, if I become a Christian, I'm, I'm a terrible Christian. The, the church would, you know, I would catch on fire if I walked into a church. And it's this mindset that, oh, like your performance is what, get, is what gets you good with God. It's backwards, y'all. It, it's our belief. And that's what Paul's trying to say here. That's what Paul's trying to communicate to the church. It's not whether or not you're circumcised or not circumcised. There's nothing you can do or not do that gets you to earn this love. It's only through the confession of your mouth and the belief in your heart, Jesus is Lord, then you'll be saved. It's by grace, through faith, that you've been saved. He says, I'll say it again. If you are trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation um, in the whole law of Moses, he says, listen, if you think that you have to do something, you know, some sort of work to get into heaven, you have to do all of it. And you just can't. It's, it's not possible. For if you're trying to make yourselves right with God by keeping the law, you've been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. But then he goes on to say, but we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised to us. And here's really where this verse's key is. Here's where it's all summed up. He says, for when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or uncircumcised. When you're in Jesus, it's no longer about the law. It's no longer about the rules. He says what is important is faith expressing itself through love. So when I first read that, I thought, oh, okay, so we, ex you know, it, it's faith expressing itself in love. So, you know, if we have faith, then we'll love other people. And, and that's a part of it. 
But, but I also think faith expressing itself in love, I think he's saying it's just about being in love with Jesus. And when we're fully in love with God and the things of God, it's going to, to, to affect and permeate through every part of our life. It's going to transform who we are. It's not so much about doing right and wrong and performing better for God. It's about falling more in love with Jesus. It's about earnestly seeking him. Amen? I think that's what Paul is trying to communicate. Paul's saying it's, it's not about the rules, guys. I feel like so often we look at Christianity and we think, what's with all the rules? What is that? Pe- people hear about Christianity, they think about religion, and they go, man, I, I'm not about all those rules. I'll just be a good person. And, and church, here, here's the truth. It, it's not about the rules, and if you're trying to work your way into heaven, you've missed it. You know how we get there? You you know how we become who God's created us to be? You know how we inherit eternal life? Is by deeply loving Jesus. Deeply loving God who who loved us so much that he gave us his one and only son so we could have eternity. You know, I, I think Samson's real issue, and I think our real issue that we face often when we're getting caught up on the rules, is, I, is I, I, think, I really think it's because we forget how much God loves us. I think we forget how much God loves us. Like we, we get so focused on our careers and our kids and our, our spouses and others, and, and we want to be seen and we want to feel loved and we feel like we have to work hard to be seen and noticed and valued and cared about. And sometimes with, with God, I feel like we kind of just give him the back seat, you know? And, and we just spend our time trying to win love from the world and affirmation from the world. Like it has the ability to love us the way God loves us. But church, I hope this isn't new news, but God's love is unmatched. Kim, you can come up on the keys here as we kind of close things out. You know, one of the most powerful verses, and I I hope this verse never becomes familiar to me. You might hear me reference this verse almost every single week, and I plan on it. Because it's some of the greatest news in the world. It's Romans 5.8, and it says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Like in our mess, while we were still broken, when we weren't following all the rules, when we weren't following all the commands, when we were, you know, wherever we were. And I think maybe some of us have been in that season. It says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's powerful. It's, you know, you think about, you know, Chad, you were talking about your kid earlier, and you think about someone who's, you know, mistreating your kid or something, you know? And to give your life for that person who, who's bullying your kid. Or, you know, Eric, you think about your wife, and it's like if someone was to mistreat your wife, right? You're going to kill them, you know, rip off their head. And, and it's like, but, but even in that, like while we were still sinners, like while we were still broken, God said, listen, listen, I, I know you're far from me. I know you're rebelling against me. You're, you're really not doing anything good. I'm, I'm still going to give my life for you because I love you that much. It, it's really a wild, uncomprehendable love. 
and I think so easily we forget how vast, how great his mercy and his goodness is that he said, no, 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 you don't need to perform. You, you don't need to follow all the rules. What you need to do is you need to fall in love with my son. Fall in love with my son. He came. He lived the perfect life. You know, John 14, it says, if, if you love me, it's Jesus talking. He says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. And you know, until really putting together this message, I always read that verse and thought, man, man I know I'm saved by grace. Like, I, I know it's just my belief in Jesus that gets me saved, but I really want to show God that I love him, so I need to work really hard at obeying his commands. That's, that's always kind of the way that I've read that verse. Like, like, I want God to know that I love him, so I want to work really hard to be a really good Christian. And, and literally, as I was putting this message together, I, 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 I was reading through Matthew 22, and I started to see, see this correlation between John 14 and Matthew 22. In, in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40, um, uh, Jesus' disciples, they're having a conversation with him, and they say, hey, Jesus, man, I, I'm just curious I know there's a ton of laws. I know there's a ton of rules. You know, we're doing our best to follow them. But, man, what, what would you say is the most important commandment? Like, if you just had to pick one, what would you say it is? And, and I bet, you know, they're taking bets probably. They're like, you know, I bet it's not to steal. And it's like, no, man, that's not that bad. My buddy Mark did it. He's still good. You know, they're like, you know, they're like, oh, I bet it's adultery. That's real bad. Adultery can get real messy. No, 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 man. I bet it's lust. Well, that's the same thing, man. You know, I don't know. This debate going on. What is it? Jesus, we want to know. What is the, what is the greatest command. And, and, and you know what Jesus' response is? I know it's on the screen. Y'all are cheating. But it says this, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And a second is equally as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he goes on to say this. He says the entire law and all the demands of the, of the prophets are based on these two commandments. He's saying, listen, if you just fall in love with me so deeply in love with me, if you just passionately love people, you know, the very best you know how through the empowerment of my Holy Spirit, you are fulfilling the whole law. It's, it, it's about loving God and loving people church Christianity, it's not about following the rules. It's about being deeply in love with God. Listen, church, if Christianity has become about following the rules instead of following Jesus, then we've missed it. We've missed it. It's a shame that people look from the outside in and they look at Christianity and they look at the church and they think, ah, it's just a bunch of rules. Tell, tell the friend that you're asking for that Christianity isn't just about a bunch of rules. It's about being so in love with Jesus, so thankful and grateful for who he is and what he's done for us, that we as his children, filled with his Holy Spirit, are so hungry and thirsty to know him more that we neglect the things that aren't honoring and glorifying to him. That's all it is. You know, when, when you love something so deeply, you want to do things that will please that person. When you love someone so deeply, you, you, you want to do things that will please them. 
And, and here's the cool thing about God. He doesn't just want you to seek him, but, but Hebrews 11 says he rewards those who earnestly seek him. He blesses those who earnestly seek him. Could it be that our obedience to him, right, and, and our, our, our being infatuated with God, passionately loving and pursuing God and the things of God, could it be that our, our obedience and our love for him blesses us just as much as it blesses him? It's like this two-way street. He's a good dad. Amen? He's that good. He washes away our sin. He makes us new. He's a God worth following. And he's a God worthy of my life and worthy of my love.